Nancy, your order's ready, and Jerry, your order's ready. Can I have a spicy chicken sandwich, please? Welcome back to Cats Cast, the bi-weekly podcast featuring history, interviews, arts and culture, sustainability, and the outdoors in the Catskill Mountains and Hudson Valley. This week, we enjoyed a Phoenicia Diner lunch with Mike Chiaffi, owner of the Phoenicia Diner in Phoenicia and Dixon Roadside in Woodstock. We talked about these ever-popular spots for tourists and locals alike, adaptations for keeping diners and staff safe during the pandemic, plus recommendations from the owner himself for delicious dishes and the quietest day to order them. All that and more right after this. Cat's Cast is supported by the Phoenicia Playhouse, an historic 150-seat community playhouse that's home to community theater, film screenings, local community events, road productions, and corporate meetings. The Playhouse is located in the beautiful hamlet of Phoenicia, New York, convenient to Main Street shops, local eateries, and outdoor activities. More at PhoeniciaPlayhouse.com and on Facebook and Instagram. And by the Central Catskills Chamber of Commerce, providing services to businesses, community organizations, and local governments in the Central Catskills region. Follow the Central Catskills Chamber of Commerce on Facebook and sign up for a weekly email of local events at centralcatskills.org. Welcome. Thank you. I interviewed you almost eight years ago for the original Catskill Mountains audio driving tour. And I think you were still under the impression that you were going to be running a sleepy country diner. But it was busy then, and it seems to get busier and busier every week. In fact, every time we drive past, someone in the car says, oh my God, look at the crowd at the diner today. It always seems bigger. So how's business? Interestingly, you, by saying that, I remember having that thought that my second career would be sitting behind the cashier's desk, you know, collecting money from a, somebody from a cup of coffee and just uh, having a nice chat and, uh, and very leisurely coming in and out of this place. And eight years later, it's, it's a frenetic, busy place, much busier than I ever anticipated and that I could have ever dreamed of. It's been an incredible journey. And, and, and like you said, every year we've been increasing the volume that comes through here. Pre-COVID, we were at about 120,000 guests a year. And I think we're probably well past that by now. How have you managed to do that? What kind of adaptations have you uh, had to put in place? So uh, you mean for COVID? Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're busier than ever. Yeah. And we're, we're obviously not out of the woods on this. No. So what um, what have you had to do to make that happen, to we, make that work? We pivoted to a all takeout outdoor space. And being in the Catskills, luckily, has allowed us to do that. We have, uh, we had um, additional parking space that was kind of overflow that we immediately took over. Um, and we already had a small outdoor pavilion, so we uh, didn't have to do much to convert that other than uh, it was our waiting area uh, for the diner pre-COVID, and now it's a, a place where you can sit down and eat. And we've adapted to a, a menu where uh, we have a food truck that used to cook the food but in this scenario, you just place your order at the food truck outside, and the order gets fulfilled in the kitchen and then brought out to you. 
So there's no reason for anyone to come into the building. We have uh, porta potties outside. We're trying to keep a separation uh, for our staff and everybody, uh, and we're all eating outside. So it's uh, less likely there, there would have been a problem during COVID. Takeout containers are now one of our bigger expenses because uh, you know some of the some of the downsides to being a to-go place is that our costs have risen in some sectors, and one of them is uh, is uh, compostable uh, takeout uh, containers. Some things that we had never dreamed of. So we have those, and then about a month later, I'm realizing that um, our garbage and our recycling has increased threefold. So those costs have gone up. Before we would wash a plate, uh, and it would be less than a cent to wash a plate rather than to have this uh, container, which is you know somewhere between 20 and 30 cents uh, a pop. While we're not serving inside, there are some costs that have, have gone up exponentially. But um, you, are, you are serving inside now, at least for the time yeah, being? Yeah, so we just opened up the inside about two weeks ago um, for the first time in 16 months. And that was weird because I, I, was, I stood in there that, that Monday when we opened and trying to, to uh, remember what it was like, and I couldn't. I was like, this is all strange. It still felt strange. It still feels strange now. And we also are struggling right now because we have the inside open and we have the outside open as well. Um, and in terms of business, we potentially could be adding much more capacity uh, uh, in this scenario that we have right now. And we are lacking in labor right now. Like We're suffering that like everyone else's. There is not enough staffing right now to go around. I want to come back to that in just a minute sure. because that seems like a universal mm -hmm. issue here. But to get back to your packaging for a second, I'm noticing that you went with something that's a little bit more eco-friendly and mm -hmm. went probably adds a little bit to the expense. Right. But these are great. So you have paper clamshells rather than styrofoam. Right. Um, you have straws that are uh, compostable, mm -hmm. made from plants. Mm -hmm. So are the so are those. So they're, are the they're, utensils. They're they're, uh, they're corn based. Wow. At first glance, they look like plastic utensils, but they're not. <laughs> right. So that's really and, and by the way, you know, all those things again come with a little bit of a. a they also have their own downsides. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, they, they take up more space in garbage. They're not as sturdy as some uh, as you would like sometimes when people use them. Yeah, but it looks like you've gone about it. Yeah, in as, as good of a way could. that you could. As and that's best great. we could. Um, and and. One of the interesting things about the about supply chain on this too is that they these are in popular demand as well, so they don't necessarily show up when we order them either. So we order from a, multiple different places right now. When before we'd call make a phone call and get one supplier, now we need a few uh, so to find stuff. What do you attribute these shortages to? Both supplies and staff. On the supply side, from what. Um, all the vendors have been telling us that they've been, they're having trouble getting the shipments in because of the supply chain. And I've taken that to mean that there's less truck drivers and also that demographics have changed. They're delivering less stuff into the city, but their infrastructure is set up to deliver to the city. So it just hasn't caught up yet with what's happening. 
And then I think on the on the labor side, it's really a hard question. I don't know the answer to it. When we look for people, there isn't a lot of phone calls coming in for that. If I ask the people that are here working, um, they all seem to be uh, happy to be out of the house and to be working. But I also believe that that uh, there is some comfort in in having uh, people that have families or kids, they're home more without having to come into work and, and potentially um, having a supplement. So it's a really hard question. And I think people get a chance at this point in time to look deeper into how they're living or how they were living and thinking about making a change. And the, the staffing issue seems like it's always been a problem in the Catskills, but it's gotten worse. Correct. I, I, I agree with that. The main people at the diner, at least right now, have been like, like dishwashers, which in the city, I, I remember talking to somebody like, if one leaves, you, there's six more to follow here. If, if that person leaves, the, you know, we, we could be out weeks without having somebody there. And that creates a slowdown in the kitchen because everybody in the kitchen now has to go into that role for a certain period of time, which takes away from our productivity. So that's been a, that's been a big, big issue as well. Let me finish this bite of chicken, and then I've got my next question for you. So you opened Dixon in Woodstock, uh, what, two years ago? Yeah, about... Uh, Three months prior to the COVID. So you didn't have a lot of time to really experience no. what that restaurant would be in a normal time. No. How are things going there? If we look at apples to apples, so the, the same time period between, uh, for that place opening versus the diner, it's actually on a better trajectory. Um, so I really have no complaints about that. One and two, it was designed to operate with less labor for a lot of reasons pre-COVID and knowing what the labor situation was up here prior. So that has a takeout window built into the architecture that has garage doors that open up to make airflow amazingly good. So we've been very successful over there in terms of, of, of keeping busy uh, and not having to close the inside because we had the outdoor uh, available and there's a lot of air exchange in there. And that, that space was designed with an outdoor area Absolutely. in the original yeah. plan. Yeah, all the things learned from here, I tried to kind of incorporate there. So like our takeout here prior to COVID was was not a happy situation. Like we it would be the first thing we would shut down if we were busy on the inside. We were like, we can't do takeout because the setup's different. All those, all those things, uh, would conspire and we would like immediately shut that down. Now it's been our lifeblood here. At Dixon, um, it's built to, to accommodate takeout. Now you're, you're back and forth. You, you split your time between the Catskills and Brooklyn. That's correct. How does that balance work out for you and how involved are you in the daily uh, operations of the restaurants here? So two things. It works out great for me because I think I'm able to kind of uh, have a foot in both places and, and both places have a client base that come up from the city. Not, not all of them, but a lot of them do. So I think I feel like it's a good way for me to kind of see what's happening there and kind of make some adaptations here. Um, and also it gives me an opportunity to ask people back in the city why, they're, why they've been coming up. For an example, what's one of the things that they tell you that they love about? Oh, it's, uh, being outside. 
like so I mean the the immediate thought when we when this all hit was like we need we need to triple our outdoor space and there was a lot of concern because we were taking over parking space but everything superseded that we needed we needed to have this outdoor space so that was the a number one when you're not here or um, even when you are who do you lean on to keep things running smoothly at both of these restaurants so we have a general manager for both places, Courtney, who's up here full time, and she's the key to managing both places and being able to, to uh, troubleshoot uh, issues that, that arise uh, like literally on a daily basis. And it used to be me uh, when we first started. And one of the things that I learned from my previous business and also just by mere fact of being older and wiser, I guess, to some extent, that that if you're in the thick of things, like if I was dishwashing because the dishwasher was out or, or in the front of the house, that I'm not thinking about growth and how to build the business or the next business. And that trickles down to like, if we're not thinking about growth, then we're not thinking about the people that work here and how they can grow as well. So one of the things about having a second location, one of the, one of the main reasons was that we were creating more space for people that worked here to kind of move up, up the ladder and not be kind of stuck in one place. I've, I've now created assistant manager positions, manager positions. I learned from my old business that when people were leaving, they were like, I, I love it here, but I'm, I'm not growing uh, any further. So I thought that that was a main way to do that. Do you know how many people are employed at both of these places? <laughs> I learn these things usually at Christmas time here at the diner we hang stockings and I count those uh, <laughs> usually every winter and then be a, and I'm amazed by it but we roughly between both places around 60 people wow um, that's that's full and part-time so it's pretty substantial and there's a, that's a lot of responsibility for me because I, I, I take that seriously like they have jobs and lives and families to support so I'm part of that ecosystem. Who's your head chef now in both places right. and what are some of the best meals that they're making in, in your on your palate? Chris who's here is the head chef here so he's creating dishes but it's also ordering paperwork uh, cost analysis so it's it's a much bigger job than you would think of just getting back there and, and cooking. I still love like the basics here. So like I'll have uh, the pancakes here, I think are great. And uh, there's a Arnold Bennett skillet, which has a literary background to it. So I kind of enjoy that. And uh, Dixon, I think we, you know, we've done a lot more uh, elevated comfort foods, but I still, I still get back to the base of fried chicken. And there's a gentleman named Josh there who's uh, the equivalent of Chris. So again, same thing, creating dishes, but also the economics of the business kind of falls in their laps as well. Okay, so if I'm a local, mm -hmm. and I am, mm -hmm. and I don't want to necessarily elbow my way to try to compete for a table, mm -hmm. <laughs> can you recommend any good times or days for yeah. uh, for us locals to come uh, grab a bite? So our, our slowest day is Tuesday. So I would say any time on Tuesday at, at the diner uh, would be great. And our busiest time is Sunday at around noontime. So like, so those are like the two ex extremes. Dixon the same? Dixon's pretty much the same. Although I will say Dixon, you know, like uh, at the diner, we're catching people leaving on Sunday, um, going back probably to the city. So it's, it, it's a heightened thing. 
And Woodstock is, a, is, is actually a different flow because it, Woodstock is basically the destination. So we have to figure out ways of pulling people in to uh, that restaurant when they have a lot, there's a lot of choices there. I think the trickier part for us now is like emerging from, from COVID and investing in what it will be like in the next three months and it's almost impossible to do. So like I think in general what we, what we feel like we've done a good job in, at, at, at pivoting but as a business person, it's, it's really uh, incredibly frustrating to put money into areas here that I am not sure three months from now will be utilized. And you said that, that the windows slash doors at the Dixon are designed to open, but Correct. here you're, yeah. you're so, retrofitting so, that so, as well. Yeah, so these are getting retrofitted. And one of the things that if you had asked me before the pandemic, if I would ever change one iota of this restaurant, the answer would be absolutely not. Anything you saw in there should be original. Um, I don't like kitschy. I, I think everything needs to be authentic. Uh, but the one thing after this, I was like, I, we need a, an open window because I, I watched graphics displaying the simple act of opening a window, changing the entire dynamic inside the room in terms of airflow. And um, so we were like, this is what we're gonna do. You know, this is the, a must. You know, I talk to the locals sometimes about, about the area and why, like, the kids left. Like, oh, my kids left in 1980 because there was nothing to, there was nothing happening here. You know, there's no growth here. And I feel like, you know, flash forward to now, like, there's a lot of stuff happening that would keep people around. But then you get to, like, but now I can't afford a house to, stay, to live here, which is, it's just, there's, like, no, nothing's easy. <laughs> Nothing is easy. We, we rented an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment, for no other reason than to have it, just in case we need it, if we hire somebody who's come up here and can't find a place to live immediately, because that's what's happening. A so bridge apartment. A, yeah, yeah, literally, exactly. Hopefully it'll be vacant. Uh, but right now we're just paying for something I may or may not need, just in anticipation of, of this. Mike, when you're not working, what do you like to do? I hike, but not often, because you work I'm, a lot. I, do, I, do. I think you and you enjoy your work. So I that... do, and I think I think it's part of my problem. I uh, I have a lot of thoughts yeah. that I need to figure out how to slow them down. Like I love theater. I would, you know, if I had more time, I'd be I'd be definitely um, seeing it, trying to get it produced. But but I, I enjoy that a lot. Thank you, Mike. Always fun to chat, and this was a delicious lunch. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Cat's Cast is a production of Silver Hollow Audio. Please be sure to subscribe wherever podcasts are found for free and automatic delivery every two weeks. Until next time, you can find us on Instagram at Cat's Cast. Thanks again to our local sponsors, and to you, our listeners, for your contributions to the show. If you'd like to contribute, just click support at catscast.com. Until next time, I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening. <laughs>